Congratulations! You found it! The most inappropriate book club you never knew you were missing! Starring the original book divas Martha Steele and Vonnie Golden, and also featuring Megan Runyon, YA superfan, Keith Steigert, Uber Reader and Romance Junkie. These people are passionate about books, maybe a little too passionate. Plotting world domination one book at a time, they are three book girls. This is funny. So I, I'm sitting by my 18-year-old daughter, and I'm saying, God, why couldn't October have waited one fucking day? Like, what? Like, because I'm like, I, and I said, Martha sent a text saying, oh, it's horror month. And I'm like, I know. And I said, God Martha sent me a text saying it's horror month. But I didn't say it like that. And my daughter was like, it's whore month. And I was like, no, if it was yes. whore month, I'd be good. But no. <laughs> it is no secret within our community that Keith is not a fan of horror month. I don't read a lot of horror either, though, Keith. But really. as you can see, I Which am wearing my three. It's an audio. I'm wearing my three book girls. October reads shirt, which has a dancing skeleton on it. It is cute. I love it. But you know what, Keith? We don't have to read super horror because Martha doesn't read romance in February, so. Hey, I (laughs) said you could read whatever you want as long as it has that theme. No, it's true. I read suspense. I know, I'm just giving you a hard time. Suspense is kind of, thriller is kind of horrific, sort of. Well, yeah. I just can't handle the Yeah, thriller counts. It doesn't Um, have to be gory. speaking, Speaking of thriller and horrors, Holy Jeffrey Dahmer Yeah. on Netflix. You know what? I just finished it, and I gotta say, the the dude who plays Dahmer is so creepy oh, yeah. that I don't even want to watch it. I mean, he creeps me out just looking at him. Yeah, I didn't, um, I didn't enjoy it one bit because um, it's it's oh, almost like his name? being in the room with a freaking killer. It is not that a is. pleasant thing. Is he never gonna get work again now? I would. Oh no, he's he's already famous. Dude, I wouldn't fucking oh, okay. hire him. He started he started Axe. on like Disney Channel and he's quick he's Quicksilver in the Marvel movies. And so I like love he's, some Disney teeny bopper guy is now a serial killer. This is the second time a Disney star has played Jeffrey Dahmer because Rosh Lynch pre- played him in My Friend Dahmer. So it's real everyone's like and someone there's like a meme that's like, what the fuck is Disney doing to their young actors? Because you've had Zach Efron play Bundy. You had Ross Lynch play Jeffrey Dahmer, and now you've had Evan Evan Peters play Jeffrey Dahmer. <laughs> That's what they need to do to get adult roles, because everybody's like, oh, yeah, you're cute, and you sing, and you play basketball. So they need to say, dance. oh, look at me. I'm tough. I can play a serial killer. That's exactly. Well, Evan Peters, though, has had a good career, like, other than, like, because in the Disney shows, he was kind of like, the quirky like friend next door kind of like he was not the Zac Efron like and then he played he's um Peter Maximoff in X-Men so he was in the X-Men franchise after he did that he was in WandaVision he's done like a lot of things over like since he left Disney but everyone is just kind of going what the fuck is Disney doing over there that all their lead males become serial killers in their later roles well you know I 
I think serial killers, and now, now correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that's kind of that. I'm uh, so sick of everywhere. hearing about serial killers. I know, right? But I, I, I'm Come intrigued because everyone was talking about how creeped out they were by Dahmer on Netflix. And so I purposely didn't start watching it at night. I watched <laughs> the first two episodes this morning and it, it does like it's not creepy the, in the traditional way uh, at no, all. You don't feel no. any horror vibes from it at all. No. It's you just more know like terrible things. The guy is just just imagine the most socially awkward kid you've ever been in class with in your life. Yeah. And happen to watch him for eight episodes. You know they something's a- up with the guy. He's creepy as fuck, but you don't yeah. know what it is. And it reminded me of so many people that I've known over the years that that's what creeped me out. Not the guy or his story. Because, yeah, it's horrific. And feeling now you're like, well, I don't know about you guys, but true crime scares me more than regular horror novels because that shit's true. That stuff happens. Yes, it is. It makes me not want to pick up hitchhikers. Well, you not, should not do that. <laughs> it makes you not want to write to prisoners anymore. I know. Why do you think I quit? Started reading true Bodies of your writing like, to like Damn. BTK. <laughs> hey, how you doing? Everybody needs a friend. <laughs> oh, but you know, so my friend Andrea, her sister watched Dahmer like the day it came out. And they were texting back and forth about it when we were at work. And her sister was like, Spoiler alert for anyone who doesn't know anything about Jeffrey Dahmer. He eats people. He, yeah, but he also like gets killed in jail. Spoiler alert. Google it. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. So I, my response to that was serves him right. (laughs) And then Andrea's sister was like, but he found Jesus in in jail and he redeemed and he was forgiven. I was like, I'm sorry, you don't get forgiveness when you kidnap people, drill in their heads and pour acid in their brain to make them your sex zombies. That is not forgiveness on any level. (laughs) I mean, maybe he, he got it, but he still deserved to die. So right but we had a whole debate i was like i made andrea give me her phone because she like couldn't text it the way i was saying i was like give me the phone i was like no you don't get forgiveness (laughs) when you make try to make people your sex zombies by pouring acid in their brains doesn't work that way i don't know seriously Uh, yeah Yeah, that was was eight people yeah but it was Uh, so weird people he did all those things that that was a pretty creepy scene that that one scene but, yeah. but what I'm saying is that, you know, people's morbid fascination, and mine included, I guess, in that, we're just ghouls. We just want to see what's up with all the creepy, weird shit that people do. And we're so desensitized to it that when we see a show like Dahmer, we just kind of sit there and go, yeah, that's pretty creepy, but... I've seen worse. No, Dahmer's like at the top of creepy. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like, all the other horror novel or horror films that you've seen, and the slashers, and and the stuff we fake. read about. I know they're fake. It creeps me out. I'm not saying it doesn't creep me out, but it's just too. I don't know. Maybe it's because people talk about it constantly, and they're you know. You've been desensitized. I, I have. Mean, yeah. I have been desensitized by all of this yammering on about serial killers over the years. But I just want to know, I like, wanna... where are our current serial killers? Like, they're out there, but they don't get the same. I don't want to hear about them att- at all. Megan, why do you do that to me? But I'm just like, think about that. Like, you know the what? 70s we should and really. The 80s were like the height of serial killers. Like, you had the Dahmers. That's you had just because they got caught. I know. So I'm of... saying, like, where are they all? What? Where are the ones now? Like, we never. 
That's maybe what makes it so fucking scary, Megan. I know. Well, I have a theory about that. Okay, Okay, do share. A lot of these serial killers, like what I've read and stuff, they all have these horrible childhoods. They were so abused, yada, yada. And now we have stricter laws about child abuse and foster care and the states and stuff are more apt to take a kid away from their parents. I'm not saying that there isn't like a lot of kids out there with problems that could turn into serial killers, but I kind of wonder if it's because we started recognizing that this kind of abuse has long-term effects. And the drugs that mothers were taking. We have a lot more early intervention now. A lot of the drugs that that the parents were taking when they were pregnant. And is it the fact that, that like police departments are more willing to share now? So that's like they a big get thing caught too. faster. Yeah, that's a big thing too. Like they kill two or three people and they get caught because they fuck up or get or whatever, and so they're not getting to seventeen people. Yeah, before I mean, like yeah, somebody catches on. Yeah, you want to know what scary movie or series that I watched this week? Hmm. What'd you watch? Um, the end is nigh, which was like end of the world kind of scenarios hmm. with Bill Nye the Science Guy. Oh dear, the Science Guy. <laughs> that was scary. <laughs> And, well, I mean, he doesn't make it scary because, I mean, it's Bill Nye. But if you really <laughs> think about it, like some of that stuff like could happen so easily. So was it like about global warming and all the crap that's going to happen because we're destroying the earth and stuff? Some of it was about that. Sort some of like of it was uh, about what's happening in Florida right now. <clears throat> the meteors like hitting earth. And the funny thing is, is, do you know, earlier this week they had on the news and everything about the one satellite that they had launched into space to try to change the directory of a meteor. He talked about it on his show. And then a couple days later, um, that meteor or that satellite had reached the meteor. Well, you know what? You know what, guys? This is the way my brain works. I would not be surprised at all to find out that that asteroid actually was on track to hit the earth and they didn't tell anybody they just went about all that behind the scenes and took care of it and nobody will ever fucking know i honestly hope they do i hope they always did they send ben affleck to help deflect it that's the big (laughs) Eh. Eh. he's a has-been <gasps> I mean, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. I seriously don't want to. Don't know. come if, for us, Ben Affleck fans. Do not come. I'm for only. Us. I mean, Ben Affleck is okay. I mean, I like a lot of his movies, but that weird, like, little spit thing that he has going on sometimes when he's trying to be sincere and have a big monologue—it bugs the crap out of me. I just want to say, oh my god, swallow. <laughs> sort of like me with uh, oh Nicholas Cage. Cage. I'm like, Cage. get some sinus surgery for fuck's sake. You have enough money. You sound like you're stuffed up all the time. Deal with it! <laughs> Honestly. Depending on which genre you're reading. Yeah, I don't want to read if someone's going to die. Or That's somebody's going to cool. get maimed. Or there's going to be some kind of freaking crazy person running around with a chainsaw. I just I want don't someone know. to get or a You know what? Uh, let me tell you why. Something. Let me tell you why I love the horror genre so much. It's so much harder to frighten somebody, truly frighten them, truly freak them out than it is to make them laugh or make them feel good. I don't good. know about that. The true fright. I don't know. I scare pretty easily. 
Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry, Hitler scares me a lot more than Dracula. Well, again, I- because he's real. Or right, was exactly. Yeah, because fair. that shit's real. You can't make that up. I suppose I that's definitely fair. think it's harder to make a really good horror movie that's not campy See, yes. than it would be to make it's a comedy. Hard. It's really, really hard to hit that button just right. It's so easy to go over or under. Yeah, and a lot of them just go so far over then they end up being... Campy, exactly. Yeah, ridiculous. And horror novels are the same way because... It's hard to gauge how people are reacting to what you're saying. And some people are just not good at, I don't even know what you would call it. Pacing, maybe? Well, the suspense that you have to have, you have to build that suspense to get that scare moment. Because if you don't build up the suspense to get to the scare moment, then it's just, yeah, it's just kitschy. It's just ridiculous. (sighs) But does that keep us from reviewing horror novels because we all pick our own version of horror i feel like spooky month is the better way to call it it kind of is yeah because there are so many things attached to that that make it fun for example i have a neighbor i actually sent her a message or not i didn't send her a message i commented on her post today because there's a lady in our neighborhood that spends all month Well, actually, she does it clear up to Christmas. She has these skeletons she puts in her front yard, and she dresses them different and does different little scenes for them and stuff. (laughs) And I I commented today, and I said, this is the best display in the neighborhood. We really should be friends. (laughs) And then I – and she put a heart on it, so I sent her a friend request. She accept my friend request. So I'm happy because I know the skeleton lady now. You made a new friend. I did. When she finds out what I'm really like, she'll run for the hills, but what the hell. (laughs) So spooky month, uh, we are prepared with our jack-o'-lanterns and our fake spider webs. Uh, I have a Halloween village. Halloween villages. Can we talk about that I'm going to a haunted trail tonight after we podcast? Oh, haunted trails are always fun. You get people <sighs> running out from the fucking forest. There's one thing about Oklahoma that makes that not so scary. The lack of underbrush. It's kind of easy to see him coming. That's true. <laughs> well, and I went to the Guthrie haunted house a couple years ago with some friends. And I just remember everyone being like, oh, my God, that's the scariest one in the city. And I was like. I really need you all to reevaluate what is scary in the city of Because <laughs> it was like oh, every high school drama kid in Guthrie was in that one. Yeah. Like once I stopped and like looked at him, I was like, you're 12. You're not scary at all with that fake blood but and whatnot. I'm, I'm going with my friend Andrea and her husband and then Jeremiah and I. So it'll be, I'm sure I'm going to get made fun of because I will scream like a 12 year old and run away. <laughs> Yeah, you can tell I, Megan has never had uh, preteen boys because sometimes they are fucking scary. And they can <laughs> scream way, way higher than any girl can. Yes. <laughs> the pitch I'm just of their voice. For them to just laugh it's at like me. it's like the fucking children's choir in a haunted house. <laughs> but, and the guys are way up in the falsetto register with their girly voices. Yeah. So I will post to, to let please, you all know I'm alive please, afterwards. Uh, send, send Andrea a message for me and ask her to please record so that we can get <laughs> so that we can get uh, Megan's sc- screamy little voice on tape. 
Oh, it will happen. I would love that. I'd, Actually, if anybody's going to record, it would probably be Jeremiah because well, he's you, that you need to that... give give me his number then so I can sort that <laughs> out with him. That'll never happen. <laughs> no. Bonnie, are you making plans to do anything interesting for spooky season? You're I, mean, not... I don't have any plans now. You're not we'll going to see dr- how the month goes. You're not going to dress up like a a witch and hang around on the sidewalk and scare all the neighborhood chillins. So, a normal <laughs> weekend for me? <laughs> <laughs> I bought a shirt that has a pitch that has cat ears on it and it says, this is my cat costume. <laughs> That's going to be my costume. Does Echo bark at it? No, but she was sniffing it pretty good when I brought it home. <laughs> it smells like pussy. Sheesh. <laughs> did, did anybody else watch Hocus Pocus 2? No, but I bet you I've never did. seen the first one. So, what? Keith. Even I've seen the first one. Get out of this podcast until you... <laughs> you guys, I don't think you, know, you understand. I've never really cared for Halloween. Yeah, but it's not scary. It's no, it's, it's just so fun. Good. Yeah. The new one is pretty good. The new one, I, I told somebody we were talking about it, and I said, I said, you know, just mi- it, it's missing the, the grit of the original. And then I was like, but really the grit of the original was just the early 90s. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> like, <laughs> And those teeth on Bette Midler. <clears throat> oh, yeah. Yeah. I can't even do that because I can't purse my lips the way she does. But it's good. I thought they did a lot of really good odes to the original. It was good. I liked it. There's little Easter eggs if you really liked the orig- original. Now, that, Rachel, like- that girl, she and her sisters dress up like the Sanderson sisters all the time. They're totally into that shit. Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. I was I was thoroughly happy. Like, there were a couple times, you know, when you're watching something and, like, Something's like an Easter egg for what, something that came before it. And you're just like, ah, ah, that's it. I saw it. I got it. Like, I had so many of those moments last night. It was so fun. <laughs> oh, ain't that yeah. sweet. Mm-hmm. They set it up for a third one. <sighs> I'm not what's saying crazy, anything. Though, is, well, what's, what's crazy, though, is I have the Hocus Pocus book. I reviewed it last year. I know you did. And they, yeah, and that that book is not the movie that they made. I was gonna ask. It's not, which I don't know if it's maybe the actors because there's no like surprise cameos or anything that I caught at least, unless people look drastically different now than they did last time I saw them like a couple years ago on TV. So it's not the book that I reviewed. It's a completely separate story from the book I reviewed. And I kind of really loved the book and I was hoping it would be the book, but it was not, mm-hmm. but it was still good. I highly recommend the movie still. <clears throat> well, Bonnie, are there witches in your books that are sisters? No. Ah, sad days. No, no witches. Sad days. <laughs> days. Got anything Halloweeny up in there? Oh yeah. It's very Halloweeny. And it kind of goes with your little, what were you doing? The Halloween trail or whatever? Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, there's going to be some corn stalks. Uh, yeah. Oh, the book I'm reviewing this week is called Dark Harvest by Norman Partridge. And um, this is set back in time in the little um, preview that I read about it. It says it's 1963. So, like, you know, before cell phones and all that jazzy stuff and home computers and everything else. And uh, it's set in a small Midwestern town. And what happens is every Halloween, 
there is this thing that they call October boy and he rises up from the cornfields with a butcher knife and tries to make his way into town and there is like this tradition that all of the teenage boys team up and gang up and they try to kill the October boy while the October boy is killing them. This so sounds like fun. a very Midwestern thing to do, actually. It's this very, this is on brand. Yeah. So they're all there. Everybody is both the hunter and the hunted. For some reason, everybody or October boy is trying to make it to this church. That's like his destination. This is like all that's in his brain is he thinks I have to get to this church. I have to get to this church and he's going to kill anyone he gets in his way basically anyone well, well there are only boys outside at that point everybody out <laughs> stays inside and locks their doors and windows and you know so on and so forth so is it kind of like the purge but the boys are being macho i never watched the purge so i don't i haven't know. either i just know that it's like everyone hides inside situation well, everybody hides inside, but they basically kick their teenage boys outside because if you're a teenage boy, that's your job. You have to go hunt the October boy. So they basically don't feed these these kids like for a certain amount of time. So they're hungry because the October boy is is full of candy. If you it's kind of like if you hit him with a bat, he's like a pinata and what like candy the- falls out. Yeah, it's. It's is this supposed to be funny or scary? I mean, it is scary. Dude, but it sounds creepy as hell. It's it's weird. It's very, very or Freddy from Friday the 13th, because you know somebody can't kill you in your fucking dreams. Well, you know that there's not going to be a monster rising up from the corn star- stalks and running into town full of candy, but there is. And he's killing teenage boys. Teenage boys are trying to kill him, and he's trying to get to this church. And that's basically the book. That's, I mean, I can't tell you what happens, obviously. Of Wait, course, who's you know, trying to get to the church? The thing the that boy, comes from the, the boy? Thing? Yes, the yes. October the October boy. Huh. The, the monster is trying to get to the church. The pinata monster. <laughs> yeah, that's full of candy. Well, you know, it's Halloween. Halloween's all about the candy, <laughs> too, right? <laughs> think about that next time you eat a candy corn. Where do you think that came from? Mm-hmm. I if just you picture kill him, like a... he never come back. No, he still comes back every year. Oh, that's what? garbage. Every well, year he rises from the corn st- and he's there's like the scariest great pumpkin ever. <laughs> His head is a pumpkin. Oh so- shit. <laughs> yeah. So it's about that's what the story's about. It's about these boys that are trying to kill him and about the October boy who has some reasoning as a person that so that he's not quite understanding but then he has this need to kill people at the same time and he doesn't know why he needs to get to the church but he needs to get to the church so there's a i have so many feelings about this book (laughs) really seriously i have so many questions (laughs) <laughs> I had questions too, to tell you the truth, because I don't explain a lot in it, but believe it or not, this actually made a cute, scary cute. little book because it wasn't like over dramatic. That's what I don't like. I, I hate it when they over dramatize the murders and this is not 
over dramatized or anything. And it's a good slasher movie type book. And uh, and it I, is it was, going to be a movie. Yeah, they are making a movie of it, which I didn't know until I was trying to look up more information about the book. And then I found out they were going to make it a movie. Which means Mr. Keith is going to make me watch it. I'm just still really trying to wrap my head around the fact that he's a pinata monster. Well, it's kind of like, <laughs> it, it's almost like the October boy has a keeper. Like there's this guy that when he's rising up and he's becoming the monster from the cornfield, he's, I think he's the one that kind of like puts the candy as he's, he like stuffs him with candy basically and puts the pumpkin on his head. I mean, and then says, go there's, a, there's the a reasoning behind the person who has to do it, but I can't tell you that without giving away too much of the book because you find out at the end what the cycle is. It doesn't totally explain it. I think it's funny that Megan's big problem is that it has candy in it. <laughs> and I more like these people are like saying, okay, teenage boys, Get out of my house and go die. Well, really, the candy, he uses that to his, his advantage because, you know, these boys are starving. They're hungry. They're teenage boys. So he, he will bait them with the candy and then attack them. I'm just like picturing all the hockey players I went to high school with in a cornfield in Indiana, like with hockey sticks, trying to kill a pumpkin full of candy and I can't that would, <laughs> I'm telling that you, would but, all honestly but the that's pumpkin gonna make a bites great back movie. with a butcher knife I'm sorry to this author I'm sorry it sounds like a clever idea if you I read this laughing, Megan and I'm horrified if you I'm read like this horrified. book Megan you would not be laughing that's all I have okay. to say about that okay I mean it's a short read I would not give it a full five stars even though I did like it because it doesn't explain anything. I don't know why this cycle is happening over and over again. I don't know if they're trying to set it up to have to make a second book so they can explain the history behind it, maybe like a prequel. Um, so that's why I went on the internet to look up more information because I'm like, all right, did they explain it and I missed it or, or what? But yeah, I mean, if you just want um, a real quick, fast read, that has some really holy shit moments. It's mm -hmm. pretty good. It's a really good little read. I enjoyed it. And that again was called Dark Harvest by Norman Partridge. It was like an urban legend come to life. Yeah, basically. <sighs> That's what I liked about it. I've, I've read so many of these things. And even with all the plot holes and everything like that, it was, there were a couple of super terrifying, the, the kick, the, starving the teenage boys and then kicking them all out of the house to go and kill this i mean that was terrifying as the mother of a son well yeah and to mine tell would the be truth, the first to die mine would go out of the house and be killed on they're like, so hungry the that instant. they'll just do anything to get food it's just and see i didn't really can particularly care about that part of the book about reading about how they lock them up in their room and don't let them out yeah, it was because mean. to eat. Because then, I mean, I'm just thinking, okay, child abuse. Hello. Yeah, the whole, there's a lot of plot holes. I agree. But for a Halloween story, I thought it was excellent. Yeah. Because it was a lot of, it was, it was short and it felt like an urban legend type book. And it and got right to the point. It, it did. It I got mean, right to it. There are going to be a lot of teenage girls that don't have homecoming dates that year. 
Yep. yep. <laughs> Maybe that's the way they keep the uh, population <laughs> like, down. <laughs> oh, we don't have to worry about premarital sex here because we don't have any boys. If they Oops. get, if they kill the October boy, they, they can win leave a town. prize. No, they can leave town because for some reason the kids in this town, nobody can leave this town, and because, they think the only because way because if they, you were a teenage boy, you'd get the hell out of Dodge. Yeah, like, they win. They win a bunch of money, and they all want to use this money to leave to get out of town. I don't blame them. So who wants to go next? Keith? My book is not at all short. <laughs> My book is like 500 pages long. Oh, wow. Um, but it was really good. And uh, I read Court of the Vampire Queen by Katie Robert. Whoa. You wrote a, read a vampire novel? Oh, but wait. <laughs> See, anyone who knows who Katie Robert is, she is like the smuttiest author I've ever read and I'm like super Ooh. here for it. So, and I've never reviewed one of my insanely smutty books, but here Yay. we go. Here we go. Five so, Megan blushes. It, it's a good four. Oh. <laughs> this is a story about our main character is named Mina and her father. So all the vampires kind of live in their own covens. I don't know what the word for it is. It's probably not a coven because that's a witch thing. But all of the vampires kind of live in their own nests. And there are seven vampires who can be traced back to like the very original vampire. And they are very important and they have insane powers. And they're like the bigwigs of the vampire world. And Mina is our main character and she is the daughter of one of these seven original vampires but mina is only half vampire and she's half human and she also has no magic so all the vampires have magic powers obviously the main like the seven one of the seven have really hardcore powers her father his big power is that if he speaks he can coerce you and you have to do what he says and because mina has no magic she is treated really badly her entire life and everybody looks down on her so she reaches like the age of like 19 or 20 and her father another one of the seven he has imprisoned in this guy's house his name is malachi so her father has imprisoned malachi in his house and Malachi can't ever leave. And Malachi hasn't had anyone to snack on in a hundred years. So he is starving. And grumpy, I'm sure. Oh, and grumpy. So that fits into a little bit of a theme we got going there. Okay, hungry guys. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Malachi is almost at death's door. He hasn't eaten in a hundred years. He's really hungry. And Mina's father sends him to his porch as a gift to him. And basically, he coerces her and makes her go and give herself to Malachi. And her father thinks that what will happen is he will drain her. Maybe he'll use her for sex, but then she'll be gone and he won't ever have to deal with her again. But Malachi takes a liking to her, so he does not drain her. And he also has two really good friends who show up at his house from time to time. And... As we go on, you find out all these things about, um, and his two friends are also um, one of the seven. So they're very powerful. And 
their big goal is to try and break Malachi's curse so that he can leave his house. And they find out all these different things. Her father turns out to have like a really awful motive for wanting her dead because it turns out that she's more powerful than you would think, even though she doesn't have magic. And the whole book is pretty much her trying to figure out her father is a terrible, terrible dude. Nobody likes him. He's awful. He's just power hungry. And the fact that he can make anyone do anything by just speaking, it's really difficult to kill this dude because all you have to do is come within like hearing distance and he can just tell you to kill yourself or to do whatever. So that is the book pretty much. They are trying to figure out how to defeat this guy because he's just really not a good vampire. And apparently the, these three are. But, I mean, in between, there's a whole lot of sex happening because, I mean, the vampires have sex with each other because, I mean, they've been around for hundreds and hundreds of years. So they don't have any prob like they don't have any problems with like LGBTQ issues or anything like they're like, hey, man, love is love and we'll just have sex with anything. And and this is a reverse harem, which means that. Basically, she gets to have sex with all the vampires, and sometimes they all have sex at the same time. And there's where all your 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 four Megan blushes come in. <laughs> is she like the queen of the like? Is her dad like? Is she's she's kind of like the princess of the. the I mean, in theory, kind she, of. She would be, and yeah. she she's his oldest daughter, so she okay. would be the heir. Except that she has no magic, so everybody thinks she's just awful. Oh, see, I was going to say it's good to be queen, but she's only the princess. But it's still good to be the princess. But if he dies, she's the heir. Right. But no one, not even anyone under him in the nest, wants that to happen because not having magic as a vampire is like being a second-class citizen. I mean, that's just an awful, awful existence, and nobody respects people that don't have magic. Gotcha. So that is the entire quest is that she wants to get rid of her father and become the queen and have a happier existence for all vampires. But I mean, to get there takes 500 pages. Oh, Jesus. But the plot moves really quickly and there's a whole whole lot of smut to look forward to in between. There you go. (laughs) But I love this author. I'll tell you what, I was really concerned that there, because it was so long and I was like, I don't know, man, I don't know that I can do this, but once you start reading 500 pages went by really quick. I think I read it in like a day, which I mean, even for me is kind of a feat, but I was like, Oh kids, no, you don't get dinner tonight because I'm reading this really awesome book. And Oh yeah, I know I should clean the bathroom, but I'm sorry. I'm reading this Katie Robert books. I support that. Same. Yeah, I liked it. So that was a court, the court of the vampire queen by Katie Robert. I gave it five stars and I gave it four Megan blushes because woohoo. Nice. Uh, There are are zero Megan blushes in my book. Zero? Zero. Come on, Megan. What is that a middle grade book? No, it's true crime. Oh. Uh, Well, that'll do it. This week. I read True Crime Addict, 
How I Lost Myself and the Mysterious Disappearance of Mara Mowry by James Renner. So for those who don't know who Mara Mowry is slash was, she was at school at University of Massachusetts. She lived in Massachusetts. And there's a lot of weird things that happened leading up to it. But she is found, her car is found in New Hampshire, kind of crashed into like a snowbank guardrail situation. And there's like wine spilt in the car. The airbags have deployed. Like the car looks like it's been pretty beat up. And there's a few houses on this desolate road. Someone heard the crash. They called the police. Then there was a school bus driver who was coming home with his school bus. And he stopped and talked to her and said, are you okay? Do you want me to call the police for you? And she's like, no, no, no. So he drives up around the bend to park his school bus, goes in and tells his wife, hey, there was like an accident. We should probably call somebody. And then he goes out to like finish paperwork in his bus for his day. And in the seven minutes that it took the police to get there from when the first house called and said, hey, someone just wrecked on our road. And it's winter, so it's snowy, icy, you know, New Hampshire. In the seven minutes... From the first call to the police showing up, Mara disappears. Her car is there. She is gone. Hmm. And the first house never saw her again. And the school bus driver didn't see her. And by the time he'd come back outside. So that is where our mystery starts uh, of what happened to her. And I have watched several shows on this because I am very intrigued because they say there was, it was snowing obviously. And there was like no footprints into the woods. So they're like, she didn't go off into the woods. We just don't, we, no one can figure out what happened to her. Uh, And there's been lots and lots of theories, but James Renner, uh, I feel like I've heard some controversy around him in the true crime community. I met him at CrimeCon. He actually signed my book because I bought it while I was there. And I was like, this, I know this guy. I know this name. I could be misremembering that. So if I'm remembering that incorrectly, I apologize. Uh, but he, his, he's a, he was a journalist. He lives in Akron. And he first wrote a book about Amy Mahalovic, who was a woman who disappeared, or girl, she was a high school, middle schooler, who was, was snatched from like a parking lot and was later found murdered. Um, and he was like obsessed with that case. So some of this book is a little bit about him and his life and what was happening at the same time that he was investigating Mara Murray's disappearance. So you kind of get dual timelines. Like he'll be like, when I'm home, here's what I'm dealing with. Like his son had some issues. They never really said what his son was diagnosed with that I'm aware of, but he was tended to be really violent. He had a lot of mental health issues. And as a, young kid like when he was like little he had to go to like a special school where for behavioral kids and they basically had like jail cells in their school because this kid was out of control um Mm -hmm. so you kind of got a little bit of that but his kids also weirdly like prophetic like he would say things and then it would like happen or like they were in the grocery store and he starts singing a song from annie and the woman in front of him turns around and looks at him like what the fuck and then as the kid's leaving or as lady's leaving, he looks at James Renner and her and his son, and she goes, "How did your son know that's the song I was singing in my head all day?" And it wasn't just like he like picked up the song, like just started randomly singing it. He picked it up like right where she was singing from. So there's there's weird things that like his son will say to him that all of a sudden like happen. At one point, his son's like, "Do you want to go to jail?" And his dad's like, "No, why?" And he's like, "No reason." And then like chapters later. 
James Renner ends up in jail because he was decided to try to pick a fight with the judge about his sister's stalker and he ends up in jail. So there's like all kinds of kind of odd things that happen with his son and him, but he spent a ton of time investigating this disappearance. He would try and it feels like, and again, all these books are kind of one-sided because you're not hearing from the family in his book. But in this book, it talks about how the family was fairly uncooperative, at least with him. And I kind of got the impression that they were also uncooperative with other media outlets, which really puzzled a lot of people because you know, your daughter's missing. You think you'd be really forthcoming with information and trying to like get the word out and tell them what's going on. And it just kind of felt like, at least from his perspective, that the family was hiding like her past, that she maybe had some issues. Like they talked about a couple of times that she had stolen things. She stole credit cards. There's lots of things that Mara Maori did before she disappeared that are not kind of that, like, you know, American girl image that they really tried to put out there when she was first missing. They're like, look at this American girl, like this all American girl from Massachusetts is missing. So then as they started digging, they'd find out like, well, she went to West Point and she left kind of mysteriously. There may have been some issues at West Point that he implies. And I feel like the family has addressed this. I feel like her sister, Julia, has a TikTok that I watch fairly regularly when she talks about her sister, that there's been a lot of implication, things implied allegedly about Mara's relationship with her father and maybe not being the healthiest of relationships, um, none of which has ever been proven or but it was a lot of the talk that they just felt that the family was withholding things and making it harder for the investigators to do their jobs um i don't remember ever hearing that in the other shows i watched so it was kind of different hearing what james renner thought i feel like now i need to go back and watch a lot of these documentaries and see if i get the same kind of vibe but he had kind of almost one of the first like armchair detectives because she was she disappeared in 2004 so that was kind of the beginning of the internet to some extent where he created a blog and he had, you know, internet sleuths and armchair detectives like pouring over things, trying to find things like they had pictures of the items in her car and they zoomed in on her um, Shaw, Shaw's card, which is basically like a Kroger card. And we're trying to see if they could like reg- like pull up the information on the card online to see if it, who it was registered to and they're like all this stuff. So it's really interesting read. Uh, it's the great debate. Did she walk away from her life? Did she say, you know, I'm running away? Because there, she had crashed her father's car four days before she disappeared. And then she was acting really weird at her job. And they, like, escorted her home. They're like, she was, like, catatonic. She was mumbling about her sister. Her sister's like, I have no idea what she's talking, what she was going on about. Like, we had a conversation about, like, I had a fight with my husband, but this wasn't, like, a big thing. So there's just a lot of question marks of, are people being really honest about what was happening at the time in Mara's life? Or was it she crashed her car and someone happened to drive by that was nefarious and was like, oh, perfect timing, and just snatched her off the side of the road? We don't know. Mara's never been found. But I really liked his, I liked his, but I only gave it three stars because I did feel like there was a lot of things that made me question, like, do I believe everything he's saying or do I and not believe what her family's saying? Because it's hard to tell in books like that, I think, but it was interesting to see what was going on in his life and why he was invested in her case. And it was really just because it caught his attention. 
and it wasn't anywhere where near he where he lived. Maybe huh? he's the killer. No. <laughs> um, but there's a there there's a there's so many things. But I was intrigued. It made me really re. I actually went to her sister's TikTok this morning and was like rewatching things because I was like, okay, hang on, like let me see if I'm remembering this this stuff the way that he it's written in the book. Um, and the older sister is like not really around like there's lots of weird family dynamics in that family Did he say at all why he was so why this case piqued his interest so much he didn't really and i think maybe he had just lost his job as a journalist so i think it was like i need something to fill the void and here's this kind of obscure missing persons case (laughs) martha he's not the killer he (laughs) lives in ohio he's that guy he lives he lives in He's Ohio. Nothing. <laughs> like she disappeared in New Hampshire. But yeah, it, he. I think it was more like that perfect storm of he had lost his job as a journalist. He needed something to fill the void. And I don't think he necessarily started out as I'm going to write a book. I think it just started off as why is this case so weird? Like there's so many things that just don't make any fucking sense. And I've said that since I heard about it, because it doesn't, because they brought out scent dogs. And that's why I kind of go along the theory of either there was someone traveling with her in a separate car or someone happened upon her because they brought scent dogs out. And granted, it was a couple days later, but it's also winter. So it's not like it's raining. It's not, you know, anything like that. And they got part of the way, like, down the road and her the scent dogs just stopped. Like, they completely lost the scent. So it's almost like she got in a car. Seven minutes is not very long exactly yeah it's bizarro it's probably I'm one of the weirdest we don't know anything now thanks well, a lot I now i'm like what the hell no one's well, ever they, found a body or anything no and they're still staged it she wanted to leave town she wanted to yeah there, there's a lot of people that think she fled that she fled to canada or something <sighs> there was something that happened and she mm-hmm. needed she to at least send a quickly. fucking postcard and somebody she had somebody help her yeah there and that like a lot of people say the damage to her car doesn't match that because she's it's like her car spun around and she was facing the wrong way in the bank but like the the airbags deployed and like all these things and people said it almost looks like she hit like a semi earlier or something like you know how like the front of the car would hit that like bar on the bottom of the semi was somebody's theory because there's just so many questions about this case and it is intriguing to like have it all kind of in one place, so to speak, and be able to read it. And then I, there's your serial killer. There's when your there serial is a killer theory. that you're wondering where they all are. Yeah, there's several missing people around the same age and look of Mara. See, over the past couple of, like decades, so a lot. There is a theory that there's a serial killer in those mountains. Fifty years from now, when he's yep. like eighty, we'll hear about it, and he'll be like, "Oh, oh yeah, remember her." <laughs> Yeah. Well, a couple months ago, there was a they had found remains on the mountain at the ski lodge um, up the road. And there was there's some of the suspects early on where that there were the, the kids at the ski resort lived close by and that maybe they'd picked her up and had murdered her. Um, so they had found remains on that ski slope and everyone was like, oh, my God, are we finally going to get answers? And then they were like, nope, but we did find somebody else. <laughs> They're like, but no, it's not. I was all excited. I was like watching. I was like Googling. I was like, did they find her? Did they find her? And there's, they still are out there searching for her. Like her sister just posted videos of people out searching just the other day, like doing combing through the mountains and trying to find any sign that she's been there. But and maybe she did. Maybe she was picked up and murdered. Maybe she just ran away to Canada. I don't know. No one knows. 
She became wolf food. Human trafficking. I mean, she could be somewhere other country like. Well, and the, the craziest part of that case for me is the the like you said, the seven minutes. Yeah. To me, that, that says somebody long. else was on that road with her. The odds of somebody driving by exactly when that happens in a like rural road. Other than someone who lives right there. Seems seems suspicious, seems a little sus. Um, but it was seems, seems a little sus to me. You sound like my kids. I know I get you, but if you, I, I only gave it three stars because I feel like you can't. I could have had more of his theories, but I kind of also feel like maybe he wrote it and was a little afraid that somebody would sue him if he gave too many theories. <laughs> so, uh, from that and it was, was written, it is, and it was written in 2015 or 16. So, anything that's happened in the case since then. Obviously, it's not in that book, but it was interesting. He's done a he's been around a while in the true crime world. I can't. I know he's done a lot of different things with an ID and different things like oxygen and stuff. But I do question like how much the family really pushed back on media. Like, are they hiding something, or is that just his perception that they just maybe didn't want to talk to him in particular? I don't know. But there's a lot of weird shit in that case. So if you want to deep dive into the weird shit and the people and Mara Mowry's life, you can read. True Crime Addict, How I Lost Myself in the Mysterious Disappearance of Mara Mowry by James Renner. Maybe maybe the book girls can solve the Mara Mowry case. Just dive in, ladies. That's never going to happen. No. If <laughs> any of the book girls will be solving something, it'll be you, Megan, not me. <laughs> it, does, it is one of those cases that gets stuck in my brain. Like, as soon as I saw the headline that they'd found remains, I was like, oh, my God, did they find her? Like, are we finally going to know what happened? You're such and a fucking like, ghoul, Megan. God. I just want to know what happened. <laughs> oh my God, like, did they find her? Is she my dead? Thing is, Was she decapitated? I, I, well, then at least then her family would have answers. If you ran, if she ran away to Canada and it's just like, fuck you all. Like, I feel like that's just, like. I would be super mad to find out that. I mean, all you have to do is send a postcard from some other place and be yeah. like, I'm fine. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't need to necessarily know where you are, but dude. Yeah. When they talk People to are spending time and like money, you better be dead. I'm like terrible. No, but like, I, I mean, you just be want dead. the answers. You just want the answers. Like it's one of those cases that you, it's like, and I, I feel like the vibe of this case is the, the unsolvedness of it kind of takes me back to like John Bonet. But if I compare the conversations about her father versus meeting, At least we John knew Bonet, what happened to her. Like, yeah, but just like the dynamic of the father seemed very opposite. Where like John Bonet's father has been very like, we're gonna solve this, we're gonna solve this, we're gonna do this, and like, you know, very engaged. Where I feel like maybe Mara's father is like more reserved. But you know what? And maybe it, he saw what happened to John Bonet's father because he tried to give all this information, and it's true. Bit him in the ass. That's true. Or there's family secrets that he doesn't want people to find out, which would might be the reason why she ran away to Canada and never wants to be found. I I am kind of in Vonnie's camp, honestly. I mean, we may know someday, but and not if she has soon. like a rich family or something. She's not going to send a postcard to say that she's still alive because they'll just hire investigators and stuff and track her down. Yeah. So yeah, I don't if, know. I I'm kind of in Vonnie's camp, honestly. I mean, I, if I was in her case and was in Canada, didn't want anyone to know I was still alive, I wouldn't send a postcard to anybody. Yeah. Because that shit's going to show up on social media and then everyone's going to know. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And they did they did talk to like a, a abused women's group that does like um almost they they the ladies kind of said it's almost like an underground railroad of getting these women out and new identities and stuff. And she was like, it very she's like, if that's what happened, if she called one of those places, those organizations, she's like, you'll never find her. She's like, they're they're too damn good at hiding people. Yeah. I'm going down the vamp plane as well, Keith. Mm. So I read The Suicide Motor Club by Christopher Buhlman. I didn't realize that I hadn't read all of his horror novels. And when I discovered that, I thought, well, I better fix this. So it is a very compelling read because one of the first scenes in the book is there's a family in a car driving down a highway, a lonesome highway, of course, and a, a car speeds up, comes alongside them, and proceeds to pull their son out of the window of the car and How young is their son? steal him. He's like, I don't know, maybe four or five. Really super oh, young. Yeah, super, super young. And so from the very beginning, you're totally glued to the book. And basically, it's about this group of roving vampires that hang around the highway and cause catastrophic wrecks and then feed off of the people that are rude. Yeah. So they kind of, you know, use the broken glass that's lying around. If, If they're not bleeding well enough, then they get in there. But the thing about these particular vampires is they heal up real fast so they can get in car wrecks. And it doesn't really have a bad effect on them. So the little boy is sort of the catalyst for the mom who actually survives. And she she becomes a nun because she just can't get over this whole idea that her son has been stolen by monsters and nobody seems to be able to do anything about it. So she gets sort of roped into helping in this investigation of these vampires And it takes place in the 60s, late 60s. So it's very muscle car oriented, I'll say that. There's a lot of car talk in this. Way more than I could ever want or need. In fact, I found myself glazing over a lot during all of the car talk. The other thing was, it was way too religious for my liking. I never quite bought into the whole... You know, vampires will not bite you if you have a crucifix type stuff. I kind of am more along the the uh, interview with the vampire take. And there's an awful lot of, of that kind of thing and an awful lot of religion because she's a nun that's sort mm-hmm. of in there. And I'm not a fan. But having said that, it really was a, a good read. It was an extremely unique take on vampires I loved the fact that that's the way they were hunting with their cars and it was a good story overall if you like that sort of thing it was exceedingly gory exceedingly raw probably more of a guy read than a girl read it was a very ugly novel in the ways that sometimes horror novels are but I think it definitely has more of a man feel than it does a girl feel like I kind of feel like it was it will appeal more to men than women in my opinion 
but I didn't hate it. I still gave it four stars because, of course, it was real well written. It was Christopher Buhlman. The man can do no wrong. So I did rate it highly because it was very well put together. I'm just not a fan of a few things about it. So still pretty high marks. And that was Suicide Motor Club by Christopher Buhlman. It's not really a suicide because they don't die. No, they don't. They just come right back. But it was, it had some really gross stuff in it too. It was pretty, it was pretty visceral. Visceral is a really great description of this novel. Sounds like it. Yep. It would make a good, good slasher movie. In every book I've ever read, vampires get really turned on. Like the people who get bitten get real turned on. Vampires are just sex machines. I think... Most well, they have like 800 years to figure it out. Okay, but what's ironic, and I know we've had this conversation with Martha before when we talked about Twilight, is that there's no blood flow. Is wait, for is vampires. that there's what for vampires? No blood flow. No, because they don't I, have any blood left in them. It just goes right to dead. their oh. stomach. What's left of it, or soaks well, through their. Well, they have their to have skin. Have I don't know how that works. There's a, there's no biological. Equivalent. Do they not have heartbeats? I guess not. No. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So so really, it's completely being a vampire is completely illogical. So therefore, you just sort of have to suspend your disbelief completely when it comes to the blood, Megan. Yeah. They don't need blood flow. They're already hard as marbles. (laughs) 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 So they've got a a permanent stiffy. Yeah. Nice. That's why they wear loose pants or tight pants to keep that shit down. <laughs> yeah, I think they're it's very probably, quick to. That's probably more they're likely. They're very quick on the refraction. Like, huh. oh, we just had sex. I'm ready again. Ta-da. Yeah, it's permanently up there. Imagine, imagine having sex with a twilight vampire like in their meadow in full sun. I mean, it would just be like a disco. I'll tell you what. I do <laughs> yeah, not but you'd like have to hurry up. You could have sex to dancing queen yeah but you'd have to hurry up because there'd be a lot of burning sensations happening there and there's no bd (laughs) and i think that's gonna do it for three Three book book girls Girls. can't get enough of three book girls check them out on facebook twitter and instagram follow them on tiktok youtube and check out their website at threebookgirls.com and join the group three book girls tribe on facebook If you really love them, share the podcast with a friend or join them at one of their live events. Three Book Girls, a Steel Trap production.